hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. We are concluding our series tonight called Be the Church. In this series, we've been exploring together what this thing that we call the church is all about and how we can embody its key characteristics in our lives, but also in our City 6pm service here in 2021. So if you're new with us tonight, you're visiting, you're not normally here, we're going to talk about some things to do with our service, but there are principles here which tell us why church is so important and why going to church is not enough, but we need to be the church. We started by exploring that the church is not an event, a club, or a business, but it's described in really relational terms in the New Testament as things such as a body, God's chosen people, the temple of the Spirit, and as a family. Then Josh took us through two aspects of our vision on a Sunday night. Our vision is to be a community of disciples reaching the world. Josh helped us to see the importance of committing to community and then looked at how we can fulfill this mission to reach the world individually and together. And can I just say that I've been so impressed and I've loved the responses that we have had to those messages. Two weeks ago, or three weeks ago, rather, we talked about how we had to be a community. And I saw this amazing thing happen here afterwards. I saw people who don't normally talk. Normally, they just go out the door after the service. They stayed, and they chatted. It got so late, I was like, man, this is great. I love community, but I'm tired. I want to go home. (laughs) And then there were, uh, yeah, just amazing conversations. I saw depth of conversations with people I hadn't seen before. An amazing response to this call for community. And then uh, two weeks ago, uh, Josh talked us through this idea of mission. And I think we saw the fruit of that last week in our special chosen service as we talked about the uh, need in Nilfamari Sadar and the work that is going on there and the possibility that maybe we as people could individually do our part but then together make an impact on a whole region. Such a powerful, powerful thing that we can do. And the response was amazing. You'll see at the back there that there are 10 envelopes, and they represent 12 children who have been, uh, not only we've chosen them, but they've chosen us. And if you tonight, if you've re- heard that story, and you see people as they choose to be a part of that community, and you say, I want to be part of that too, then there are other children there that we can sponsor. Just uh, our friend Philip Sapsford from World Vision is here. Say hello to Philip. You can have a chat with him after the service. He will take you through exactly what that would look like. And you can be part of this thing that we're doing. It's changing the world. This is the people of God changing the world. We're being the church. And that's what we're called to do. And I've loved it. So I just, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for responding to this and seeing how we can make a difference in the world. Now, tonight, we're going to talk about the middle part of our vision, Our vision is to be a community of disciples reaching the world. And the middle part of this is this whole idea of the fact that we are to be disciples. Now, I have a really simple thought for you tonight about this area of discipleship. But I think this is a revolutionary idea. I think that this idea, for some of you, will be a whole paradigm shift. It may even be the missing element of your Christian walk. 
Not knowing this may be the reason why your walk with Jesus has not impacted your life in the way that it should. This might be why you're struggling with that sin. This might be why you feel disillusioned with church. Pretty big call, right? It's going to be a pretty big thought to have to do a lot of stuff here. Here it is. Discipleship is a team sport. Discipleship is a team sport. Are you blown away? Okay, let me explain. Let me explain. There are two types of sports in this world. There are individual sports and team sports. Every sport generally fits into one of these two categories. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a picture up on the screen and call it out, and you have to tell me if it's a team sport or an individual sport. All right, here we go. First one. Let's throw the first one up. Rugby. Is rugby a team sport or an individual sport? Team sport, yes, very true. The ball goes from person to person. There is a huge amount of team in rugby. The Crusaders had a saying a few years back, they said a champion team will always be the team of champions because they knew it's not just about the individuals, it's about the whole. It's how they all fit together that matters the most. Okay, next sport, what about this one? Golf. Is golf a team sport or an individual sport? Individual, there we go, it's two from two, Chris, you're doing really well. They can be on the Riders' Cup team, but they're still really playing as individuals. They're not moving the ball to each other. They might play shot each, but even then, it's really about, it's an individual sport. Okay, next one. What about this one? Track and field. Team or individual? Team. Team. Oh, there you go. Maybe if it was a relay, what do others say? Individual. I think it's individual. Even a track team compete, compete all individually, right? Okay, next one. What about this one? Basketball? Team sport, definitely. LeBron James cannot win a championship without a team. He lost the final one year to the Spurs, and alongside saying something like, I'm the best player in the world, he also said, we lost because they play better team basketball. And he knows, well, we all know, basketball is a team sport. You need a good team around you. Right, last one. Here's one that I'm actually not so sure about. What do you think? Who says that this is cricket? Uh, who says that cricket is a team sport? Who says that cricket is an individual sport? Well, I had a friend one time, and I love cricket, and I'm not going to tell you what happened today because I know some people were away and might want to watch it later, but a friend said to me one day that he didn't like cricket because it's not really a team sport. He said it's just a series of confrontations between individuals rather than a game where one player facilitates movement towards another. And I didn't like his opinion, and I stopped talking to him, but I had to admit after thinking about it that he's probably right. Cricket relies heavily on individual contributions, most of which they can do on their own without the support of any other person. So let's come back to discipleship. Yes, I know discipleship is not a sport, but I'm using sport to make a point. Do we treat discipleship like it is a largely individual activity with occasional interaction with others, or do we treat it like it is something that is not possible without the constant and ongoing influence of other people? Because I have a feeling that we most often treat it like an individual competition. Right, so we're talking about discipleship. But what do we mean? When we talk about discipleship, what are we talking about? What we're talking about is one of the central goals of Christianity. 
Jesus told his people, his followers, to go and make disciples. Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the word disciple here is not a common word. It's used to describe the pupil of a teacher or the apprentice of a master builder. The idea behind it was that a student would attach themselves to an older, more experienced person and learn the craft. It was largely an individual pursuit. When I was a kid, I used to get bullied by some other kids. But one day as I was getting bullied, I had this neighbor who came out and helped me. They managed to scare these kids off, and I was really, really grateful. So I went around to him the next day, and I said to him, can you teach me how to uh, do what you did and how to fight off these bullies? So he invited me to his house, and he first said to me, look, what I want you to do is I want you to paint the fence. I want you to go up and down, up and down. And then when I was done doing that, his fence looked amazing. And then he said, I want you to sand the floor. I want you to go down and sand the floor. And then he had me wash his cars. He said, wax on, wax off. Okay, that didn't happen to me. Uh, But somehow after it all, I knew karate, and I won the 1984 All-Valley Karate Competition, (laughs) beating Johnny Lawrence. (laughs) That's the plot of the movie Karate Kid, right? Mr. Miyake, disciple and learner. And in fact, they made a a remake of it. And just to give you a feel of what this kind of discipleship journey looks like, here's a clip from the remake of The Karate Kid. Didn't you? Very good. You've got to teach me that, like, how to control people. There's only one person you need to learn how to control. Who? Empty your mind. Flow with my movement. Connect to the energy around you. I kind of just want to learn the cobra thing. Cobra takes a lifetime. Requires great focus. But I have great focus. Your focus needs more focus. And that's our idea of discipleship. And that was the kind of idea that they had back then as well. You have a teacher, and the teacher shows you how it's done. You follow that teacher, you become like them. Not just what they do, but who they are. And it's similar to what Jesus talks about in regard to people who are his disciples. He offers all who follow him life and freedom if they would obey his teaching. John 8, verse 31 to 32, says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Discipleship is about knowing the commands of Jesus and obeying them. Christianity is not about being a nice person or believing a creed or submitting to religious traditions, but it's about being devoted to a man, to Jesus Christ, and living in the transformation of his death and his resurrection. And by the way, this is why here we regularly do a series on the Gospel of Luke. It's not because we can't think of what else to talk about, but it's because if a true disciple is one who follows Jesus, one who remains faithful to his teachings, then it makes sense to regularly remind ourselves of his teachings and the stories of his life 
So we're following who he truly is and not some half-remembered version of him. We need to know what Jesus said and then live in obedience to his way of life. So we begin this journey and we think, yes, I want Jesus to be my sensei. I want him to show me how to, how to do the crane kick. No, I, I want him to teach me his way of life. I will be his apprentice and he can be my teacher. Just me and Jesus against the world. That's the way it's going to be. And I'm going to say that's a great place to start. We want a deep, lasting connection between us and the person of Jesus. We want to have people who live vibrant lives filled with his spirit. The aim is to become Jesus-centered, countercultural people who go against the flow. And we've got some amazing tools that help us to, this to happen. The Bible is available in our language, easy to read, easy to engage English. There are fantastic YouTube channels like The Bible Project that help you understand it and how to read it well. We have music, great music, that connects us to God and the truths of our faith. There are amazing books and devotionals we can access that draw us closer to God and give us amazing habits of prayer and devotion. There are podcasts of the best preachers in the world that we can listen to while we drive and while we walk. These are amazing tools, and I highly recommend them. Yet even with all of these amazing tools, we still have a massive problem with discipleship. The Barna Group has done some fantastic research into this over the last few years and have concluded that more young people than ever begin well in their faith but walk away. In research published in 2019, they identified four groups of people who grew up as Christian, and we're going to bring that image up on the screen behind me. And what this shows is percentages from America. I'll tell you the New Zealand percentages soon. But they identified that, first of all, that those who grew up Christian, they were prodigals. They grew up as Christian, but they no longer identify themselves as a Christian. There were nomads who identify as Christian, but don't regularly attend church. Then there were habitual churchgoers, identify as Christian and attend church at least once a month. But in their research, they found they do not qualify as resilient disciples. And then there were resilient disciples. And these people identify as Christian. And there were four things that were uh, really remarkable about these people. The first is that they attend a local church regularly and engage with the faith community above and beyond worship services. The second was that they trust firmly in the authority of the Bible. The third was that they were committed to Jesus personally and affirm his death and his resurrection. And the fourth was that they expressed a desire for their faith to impact their words and their actions. And that's where we want to be, right? Yeah. And we should aim to be in this last group. Maybe we identified that we're not, and you're very welcome here wherever you're at. But not many of those who grew up as Christian actually are. The American numbers are up on the screen, but in New Zealand, 34% identify themselves as prodigals. They grew up in Christian, no longer call themselves a Christian. 33% are nomads. They don't regularly attend church. 24% are habitual churchgoers. And only 9% are resilient disciples. But surely, if, if discipleship is just an individual pursuit, then we should see similar levels of behavior and commitment from those who identify as nomads, right? How big a deal is it if you don't go to church all the time? 
can't be that important, can it? Well, they did some more looking into this. And they uh, did a survey with them, and they asked them some key questions about who, how they identified themselves and the way that they lived their lives. Here's one of them that's going to come up on the screen beside me, behind me, if you can read it there. You'll see that many of those nomads, 100%, said, we are Christians. And then you'll see a number of other figures there about how they identified themselves and how important Jesus actually was in their life. Now, let's remember that discipleship is trying to be like Jesus. So surely, if we're disciples, then we will be. And look at that bottom one there. My relationship with Jesus impacts the way I live my everyday life. Resilient disciples, 86%. Nomads, those who say, oh, you know, being part of the church, not as important, 23%. 23%. And we go, well, it's just going to a church service. Well, actually, there's, there's a whole lot more going behind the scenes in a person's life there. There is a commitment to not just go to something, but to be something. And what we see is that discipleship is more than just an individual activity. Individual, unchurched faith does not make disciples. So we go back to the earliest followers of Jesus, and we find that they didn't believe discipleship was an individual activity either. Over and over again, they talked about connection with each other and its importance to discipleship. They saw discipleship as a team sport. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. There's heaps more. Galatians 6, 1 to 2. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back to the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Disciple each other. Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit perfectly together as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As we each do our own part, there's a fullness that comes. I help you, you help me. Together, we can get to the top. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, a commitment to church is not a religious duty, but a means to transformation. I can help you, you can help me. We can help each other with our sin. We can speak truth to each other. We can help each other grow. We can motivate each other towards love and good works. The church is the team where discipleship best happens. One day I was meeting uh, where, with one church leader, a group of them actually, and they asked a really interesting question. They said, who discipled you? And they started going around the group, and everyone said, oh, it was this person, and they got alongside me, and they really brought me up, and they made sure I understood the truth. And someone else said, oh, it was this person, and it was this person. And they came to me, and I said, guys, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't put my finger on just one person. There have been so many people in my life. I'm so indebted to my parents, to my youth pastors, to my young adult leaders, but I know that I've had a wider group of people to thank for my discipleship journey. I've had friends who've encouraged me to read the Bible. 
I have older church members who taught me how to pray. Some of my most transformational conversations came from other Christians when they challenged me on sins and on bad habits that I had in my life. I still remember uh, the time I talked to a friend about wanting the kind of faith that would die for Jesus. And he turned to me and he said, hey, if we think we can die for Jesus, how come we can't live for him? And that powerfully impacted me, a multiple group of people. And I have, even in my own way, been a part of other people's journeys, sometimes really awkwardly. When I was younger, I kept inviting a friend to youth group, and he would always turn me down. And so I really just started resorting to insults. I called him up after one youth event that we'd been to, and I said to him, hey, the message at the event we went to was called Brown Christians. It was people who say they believe in Jesus, but actually are really boring and dull in the way they live it out. And I said, you know what? You're a brown Christian. (laughs) So I just straight out insulted him. But somehow it worked. He started coming to youth group. He went, you know what? That's harsh. That's probably right. So he started coming to youth group. And he kept on coming and has a vibrant relationship with Jesus. And somehow we're still friends. This is the way it's supposed to be. We pastors love to have discipleship conversations with people, but it shouldn't rest on one person. If you're looking to me, to Josh, to Sarah, to Phil, to any other leader here to disciple you alone, then we've got a problem. We will let you down. Don't look to one person. Instead, look to the whole community. C.S. Lewis says, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. We are the team that makes discipleship happen. And so we want to see that happen here in our City 6pm service. It's why our vision is to be a community of disciples reaching the world. We want you to be involved in community and mission and discipleship together here. So how can we do this? I've got three simple things for you to consider tonight. And whether this is your church home or there's another church home that you have, you might come here on a Sunday morning and you say, that's where I want to be part of that journey. Great. You might come to St. Martin's on a Sunday morning. You might say, that's where I want to be part of that journey. Great. You might go to another church altogether. That's great. But here are my three things. The first one is to come to services. Now, we've already said at the start of the series that church services are not all that church is. But they are moments of connection where we come all together and together we come into the presence of God. And we worship. Worship is such a a key thing that we love doing here. We so appreciate our teams who give of their time and energy and amazing expertise to lead us into that place. But together we love drawing into that place of worship. We also specifically tailor our teaching for this group of people. As we've said, you can get good teaching anywhere. We're not more engaging or cleverer than the thousand preachers you can listen to or watch online. Though I think you'll struggle to find anyone more charming than Joshua Taylor. Am I right? (laughs) And I do think we've got the market down on dad jokes. So we've got that going for us. But we do, what we do is we prayerfully prepare our messages with you in mind. And try to speak on the things that will shepherd you well and grow you closer to Jesus. 
For example, next week we're starting a series on relationships and sex. We're not doing it because we think this is the easiest thing to talk about. I do get asked why we talk on a lot of things. People ask me, well, why we don't? Why don't you talk on Israel? Why don't you talk on COVID vaccines? Why don't you talk on Revelation, which we are in a little while? But very few people come to me and say, why doesn't the church talk more about sex? But then a really interesting thing happens is when we do talk about it, people say, we should talk about this more. And what I think that means is that people see the value in working these things through. They are discipleship issues. And the aim of our series very much is going to be how do we live well as disciples of Jesus, as single people, as people in dating relationships and in marriage. But we often feel awkward about it. I think that people are scared that we're going to say words like orgasm in church, (laughs) as if we would ever embarrass you by saying that kind of thing. Uh, Actually, we will. We're actually considering whether we don't live stream them, just because of Yeah, we might get kicked off Facebook. It's our hope, though, that as you come to church services and we open these conversations, that they can be a catalyst for God's work in all of our lives. So come to church. The second one is to connect with others. A big part of being a disciple is connecting with others. Banner Research shows the importance of this connection. So here's another table that I've taken from their research in 2019 of young adults. Uh, it's on the what builds resilient disciples, uh, and the main thing is meaningful relationship. I want you to have a look at line three. Those who feel connected to other Christians are those who are more likely to be resilient disciples. It's 75%, 75% more likely than being a nomadic Christian, than just doing faith on your own, connecting with other Christians. So come to church. But get involved in other areas of church. Connect groups are great places to build that connection and bring discipleship. We want to encourage you to get involved in a small group, in a connect group, chatting with other people about what is going on in your life, coming together around the Bible and being challenged in all of that, building deeper relationships with others and together working through the discipleship issues in each of our lives. So come to church. Commit to connection and help create the environment for discipleship. A group called 3DM did some research and they found the best environment for discipleship to happen was an environment that had two things, invitation and challenge. Invitation is about the warmth and welcome of Christ's love that we should express to each other. Challenge is about the times we confront others with the truth of what it means to live for him. One without the other will always lead to problems. Discipleship needs both. If you only have invitation, then you'll always be someone who's really comfortable to talk to, but you'll never see someone move forward with Christ. If you only have challenge, people will reject your message as condemnation and legalism. We need to bring both. Invitation, hey, come and talk to me. How are you doing? That's really hard. And challenge, have you considered that if you continue this way of life, that it's going to lead to this result? We need to bring that in our life and in our discipleship with each other. Because discipleship is a team sport. We need each other to bring love and truth so that we might be more like Jesus. Once a man visited a monk and said, 
I believe I can be just as good a Christian outside the church as I can be inside it. The monk said nothing. Instead, he moved to the fireplace, blazing against the winter outside, and he removed one burning coal and separated it from the other blazing coals. The monk and the man sat together and watched the ember die out. I see, said the man. We want to see you become more like Jesus, but we know that to keep the fire burning, then you need to be amongst others who've got the fire burning. And this can only happen as we do it together. We talked about these four groups tonight. Prodigals, nomads, habitual churchgoers, and resilient disciples. And actually, whenever I prepare a message, uh, most of the time at least, when I'm, when I'm really doing it properly, I'm thinking about these four groups. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, okay, how does this message that I'm speaking apply to each of these four groups? So let me talk to each of you in turn. If you're a prodigal, you're probably not here. <laughs> By definition, you're probably not inside church, but you might be on the live stream. Good evening tonight. But if you are, can you see that the church is everything that you've been missing? And your lack of involvement in it is probably why you walked away from faith. If you're a nomad here tonight, Can I challenge you? You cannot call yourself a Christian without wanting to become like Jesus. And Jesus loved the church. We invite you to as well. Individual faith doesn't cut it. If you're a habitual churchgoer, again, attending a service is not what Christianity is about. Be the church by committing yourself to community much more than you have, and be ready to see the change in your life. And if you're a resilient disciple tonight, keep on going. Give to others. Get them involved in the process. Consider a way to give 10% more than you have been. You don't have to do a whole bunch more. Stay on that journey. How can you do 10% more? And giving to others and what it means to be a disciple, engaging with that discipleship yourself. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.